Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm still horribly, horribly ill. Yep. Don't feel bad, folks. He hasn't been sick all week. It's just that we record these back to back. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. But, greetings. But still, I'm horribly ill. Yeah. From Came down with a uh, contracted a sudden time. case of rudeness there, interrupting Jed during his. <laughs> You know that's uh, it's all part of the uh, entitlement. Sure, you're just gonna keep us keep us with uh, periodic ten second updates. Yeah, joining us all during Christmas season with Pastor Christian Church Lee Younger. Maybe it's like one of those things that like it's you know when you're when one of your grandparents gets really really old and the dementia is setting in and Glenn just is just gonna cut right into the middle of everybody else's thing for the rest of the show. Still sick. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. At least he's not cutting in with super racist stuff like some grandparents. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Um, uh, you know, uh, having a profound illness. Sure. Uh, like Learn what I have. Learn some about yourself. Uh, which is a cold. Yeah. Um, having a profound uh, illness like this makes you rethink uh the different elements of your life, you know, it gives you a lot of insight and wisdom. So you're going to start being, um, decide to be a more pleasant, um, warm person. No, oh. that's what I got the insight on. <laughs> and on that basis, I declare an emergency. Man, tell us more insight emergency. Um, deep, <laughs> you know, as I, you know, stare into the abyss of either, you know, eternity or, um, uh, possibly, um, going completely mad or both, you know, from the, cause you know, you get the fever going and you get a little loopy. Uh, so, you know, who knows if you're ever coming back from that? I don't think that know? gallon jug of NyQuil is helping anything. No, it really, really, uh, isn't helping with the clarity. Sure. You know? Oh, it's helping with other things. It's, it's helping with a lot of other things. I'm just as sick, but I don't mind it so much with the sure. night. Well, that's the difference. Gin soaked raisins. And uh, that's the other family care I'm working. But here's the <laughs> thing, is that uh, at some point, I, this is true. I went to to uh, Target, and my wife is out just of Just to share your germs with everyone? Sure. Well, I had to get... I had to get more NyQuil. Sure. You go through it quickly. They don't give you a big enough bottle. I can tell you that right now. Sure, you it's, tried ordering a handle of NyQuil and they just wouldn't go for it. That, that's that's my complaint right there. NyQuil did, people get on When that. you were at Target, did they have that thing that's the hard hat with the two bottles of NyQuil on the side and the straws that just come down? That's that's what I oh. needed, dude. I needed just, you know, to keep it coming. Well, okay, so I get me some NyQuil. I get me some aspirins and tissues and everything i loaded up the whole thing and i went to the to the lady and i don't know if y'all know this but in the states if you want to buy nyquil you have to show your id to prove that you're not buying nyquil to cook it up and 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 uh, make drugs out of this is on the presupposition that people make meth don't have id right um so uh or that people who look horribly ill 
uh, and have are buying Kleenex, or, or maybe it's all just a ruse. Anyway, long con. So I, I go to check out, and the lady behind the thing says, "Well, you need to, uh, you know, here's the thing: is uh, I need your ID." And I, uh, I didn't know what she meant. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that she was asking me for my driver's license. I thought she was asking for some store card or you know one of those discount cards or something, which. And Glenn don't play that. I don't believe in those. That's how they track your movements, and that must be avoided at all costs. So what I did is I go. You to do the, have a driver's license. I, I I do have a driver's license. So she said, "I need your ID." I said, "Oh, I don't. I don't have whatever that is. Just ring it up. Uh, you know, this, let's go." And she says, "No, no, no." And she pointed at my driver's license that I had, and she says, "No, your driver's license." Says, oh, 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 yeah, for the night. Well, yes, yes. Sorry, I'm. You know, and I handed it to her, and she says, "You must really be sick. You're out of it." And I said, "You, you what? You can't imagine how ill I am right now. It's a pretty heroic thing. I'm standing here in front of you." <laughs> and so uh, she says, uh, "Well, you should be home in bed, and someone should be taking care of you." And I said, uh, it, "My wife, as it turns out, was out of town." Uh, helping my sister with her twins, and uh, so, so because she didn't have any sense of priorities. Okay, and so I, I so the lady says, you know, you should be home. Somebody should be taking care of you. And I said, I, exactly right. And she says, well, where's your wife? I said, she left me. <laughs> this, lady, is the, this is the first verse of a country song. The the lady took two beats on that, and then she looked at me and put her hand on her hip, and she says. I bet you wish you were nicer to her now, don't wow. you? Wow. <laughs> oh, shut and, up. And I looked her dead in the eye and I said, yes, ma'am, I, I really do. And that was it. Because I sometimes it's mostly true in a different way, but yes. So let's just you go You got to know it. when you're beat, too. Yeah, yeah. Just there's a point there. And uh, just as I was walking away, that was her, that was her closing thought. If this doesn't, my hand to God, this is exactly what she said. If this doesn't work, you need to just try that old granddaddy. Wow. So. <laughs> uh, 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 translate that for some of our more um, innocent uh, a, a, a very uh, inexpensive uh, uh, whiskey. Yeah. It'll cure you if you survive. Yes. Right. So. Um, Essentially indistinguishable from paint thinner. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so that's. Uh, that's what I'm dealing with, but here's what it is: it's brought me closer, and 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 to just insight on life and the meaning of wow. life. Wow. Okay. Have you had some fugue states? Um. Yeah, I did. I would just, I my my mind would leave my body, you know, and it would travel through the multiverse. Sure. And uh, you know, I would ast- have astral projection. Totally, you know, different planes of existence. Uh huh. And so, you know, I feel like I've learned a lot and grown a lot from this experience. You want to go back to uh, why you declared an emergency? Or was that it? Um, or have you forgotten? Uh, I mostly have forgotten. I don't think the Target story was part of the emergency. Was I'm, it? I'm not entirely sure what day of the week it is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, well, you know what helps Glenn clear his mind. Tell us. Rage. Oh, yeah. Perceived slight. Ooh. This is, scorn. That's the thing is you think, you know, some people, when they when they get a glimpse of eternity and they they 
astrally project their spirit to other planes of existence, they come back like they're very mellow. Sure. You know, they're like, you know what? It's all about the inner being of the oneness of a harmony, you know. But what what I did was I just saw a, a lot of things that really pissed me off. Sure. You know. So that's uh, I can I came back more ornery as a result. Well, to that know. point, in hopes that this will clear your mind for this forthcoming episode, we had another Twitter check in from Superfan Noel, who many of you may remember from an emergency a couple of weeks ago, where she. <laughs> Suggested speeding up the podcast that we sound like chipmunks, and Glenn took umbrage. I was very much uh, umbraged. Yes. Umbrage was taken. Now, so we did a whole emergency about it. We poked some gentle fun, as we often do. And uh, Noel, not one to uh, just to take it lying down, fired back with what is either a skillfully done Photoshop or someone's leaked those animated episodes we made. Either way. She put up something on the Twitters with the Alvin and the Chipmunks with our faces on them. Oh, nice. Which, that's fine. We're all, that's a lovely laugh. Until Glenn noticed something about the image. For some reason, uh, I, am, I am on the short chipmunk. Okay. And I feel like that was intentional. Now, he, he made his feeling about that known on Twitter, to which Noel replied truthfully, I've never actually met you, so I don't know anything about your height. To make a short joke, that really didn't satisfy Glenn. Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, somehow I feel that she could tell. Sure. She just sensed your shortness. And then uh, an eagle eye observer of this situation. Sure, one Mrs. Christy Younger. One Mrs. Christy Younger pointed out that I was not the lead commander chipmunk. <laughs> no, Glenn was cast in the role of Simon. No, 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 Theodore, Theodore yeah. who was the short one and the youngest, if mm. I recall uh, my childhood correctly. Uh, which is like, um, a, m- maybe we are analogous to chipmunks. Maybe we're not. You understand? Maybe I'm but the if tall. If we were chipmunks. Uh, maybe I'm the shortest chipmunk there. Fine. If it has to be that way, but I'm the head chipmunk. <laughs> sure, Glenn, you understand? If, just granting, if we were all chipmunks, Glenn is very clear that he would be the alpha. Well, chipmunk. here's the here's, no here's the way this thing goes down. Where you know, I'm I'm seeing this whole this whole Twitter feed explode while we're getting ready for something in the kitchen. Yeah. There's a there's a significant flurry of tweets. The, the, there there was a fluttering, and uh, you know, and and I show the thing, I show the image to Christy. She gets a good laugh about it, and I said, and now Glenn is upset because he's been cast. In the short chipmunk, and Christy said, "Well, my problem is, how does how is Glenn not Alvin?" Yeah, and uh, and because Alvin, as Glenn wouldn't know, because he was too cool to watch the chipmunks, but Alvin is right. the leader of the chipmunks. Also, may have been in his mid twenties when the chipmunks yeah. came out, so right. <laughs> definitely too cool for that. Yeah. So she says, "How is he not? How is Glenn not Alvin?" You know, and of course, I That's... show it to my daughter, and she goes, "Oh, Dad, you're Simon." And uh, you know, and I don't even know what that means, but uh, but it was it, it was it means different things depending on which daughter that was. <laughs> but it was it was it was an it was an immediate thing. I recognized it and passed it on to Glenn, and Glenn's like, "Thank you, hello." Right. Here's what I'm saying. I'm the bull goose chipmunk. 
You understand? <laughs> I'm cl- look in this chipmunk society, so called, that we're positing. I'm the shot caller. I'm going to say that's you the first understand? time anybody has ever used both one flower is the cuckoo's nest and gang terminology to refer to Alvin and the chipmunks. Let me tell you. Let me just say this right in human terms, etc. I'm happy for whatever it is. You know, I'll be part of the. You know, democratic, uh, whatever you have. Okay. <laughs> the democratic Fine. order of chipmunks. But if we're all living in the chipmunk world, which every chipmunk for himself, your, your head hero, you know what I'm saying? A, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top of the chipmunk mountain. You see what I'm saying? You got to search your place, man. And, uh, uh, that, that uh, you know, and the fact that just people wouldn't know that. Kind of hurts me. Sure, sure. But I think the key question is: Does the rage that that slight generates is that therapeutic to you in your sickened state? Completely. Okay. So the more that you reflect on having been unintentionally insulted, the better you're feeling. Completely. Okay. Yeah. It's like uh, the rage, uh, you know, uh, loosens the molecules. Sure. You know, that's when you get sick. Your molecules are all jammed up. I'm told that. Yes. And. uh, so you you know that's what happens is everything is flowing again, right? You, know, you get right. a good you know anger going. Sure, it sounds great. Man. Uh, you you f- you feel like you can get up and go, and maybe punch someone. Exactly. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, in in a funny way. I guess we owe Noel a thank you. Yes. Sure. For in, enraging me over insinuating that I could possibly not be. The alpha male chipmunk, uh, and thus uh, inspiring the rage that that ultimately has saved my life. It's nice. It's nice. It's a feel good story right there. That's you know, write that down. Send it off to Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make a million dollars. The angriest little chipmunk. The fu- the best part about that is, and going back through the Twitter feed, make sure we didn't catch anything. Is that Noel apologized at the time as part of the joke and said, "Yeah, that's true. I should have made Glenn Alvin." That didn't stop us from that no. didn't stop the anger from healing him. Low no. these three weeks later. No, that's uh, no. Uh, we you know we uh, we don't let the, the actual truth and humility get in the way of of a really good rage. Well, no, if the if the rant's headed off, you're not going to. Another it. thing on this is that. Uh, Glenn's anger over not being the head he rod chipmunk was way bigger than Matt's anger over being cast as the girl chipmunk. Ah, now that's interesting. Hey, pink is pink. Maybe my color. Sure, <laughs> it could be a whole new year. Well, Matt, shortly after Anna, I I own a kilt. It's red and green. I don't don't box me in with your patriarchal western fear is what fashion can be yeah here's what i'm saying also i just didn't want to think about it here's what i'm saying is when uh i'm the prettiest chipmunk don't take that (laughs) away from me younger when when anna looked at the picture and said oh dad you're simon the next thing she said was and matt is britney (laughs) (laughs) it's not the first time someone said that about which i did not know (laughs) that that was that chipmunk's name but it was i did not either that's impressive uh, knowledge right there well, I I think we've all learned a lot about ourselves. I think we have. And isn't that what this podcast is all about? Almost certainly not. <laughs> it really... Actually, it isn't at all. It's almost that. the opposite of that. We yeah. tell people things about them who write in. 
Well, on that basis, I declare a what were we just talking about for the past uh, 13 minutes emergency. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Confusion emergency. I am that sick. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to keep Glenn in that sweet, sweet NyQuil, one of the ways you can do that is by signing up for Bridgebox. Either that or old granddaddy. <laughs> sure. Here's the thing. We use, our, we use the Bridgebox money to uh, a big portion of it to hire some part-time employees, and Glenn needs help, people. Yes. Glenn, I, both Jed and I, as well as um, Hallie and Glenn's wife, Jane, part of our function at the bridge is to be part of Glenn's backup brain. He will say... I need to talk to Pastor So-and-so about the thing on Tuesday. Remind me at the bridge. Right. And here's the thing. If he keeps deteriorating at this level, we're going to need more staff to take up that mantle. Exactly. So you can sign up missionusa.com slash bridgebosh. You're going to get preaching from Glenn. You're going to get preaching from myself, music, devotionals, lots of good stuff based around this topic for your walk. February is this, how do I honor my mother and father? A lot of cool stuff. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Sign up for the Lee Younger version at missionusa.com slash BBLY. You can sign up for both. Email me, Matt, at missionusa.com to get the super secret link to get $16 worth of content for only 12 We're going to jump into our first question. Came in anonymous with our Tumblr inbox. It says, Matthew seven twenty one to 23 is a troubling passage. Could we be doing all this stuff for Jesus without really knowing Jesus? Would you please elaborate on the meaning of this passage and what it calls us to do? I got caught unaware, so I didn't pull it up, but basically Matthew seven twenty one to 23, you probably heard it, is where Jesus says, not all who cry out to me, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven, essentially. And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I can... Uh uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, starting with verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Um it's very simple to understand what this verse is saying. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's hard to get a hold of it uh, only if you don't want to. Uh, the reason why uh, people don't want to get a hold of this is because uh, what he's saying here is if you are a cultural Christian, that is, you're participating in the life of the church, and you're personal one-on-one relationship with God uh, lacks a a vitality and an honesty and an intimacy uh, and a a realness to it, uh, then uh, this kind of verse should get your attention. Uh, The idea that people can go to church and put money in the plate and be a deacon and can be an elder and can uh, heal people and do all sorts of amazing, miraculous things to us, that's someone who has utterly arrived. And to us, we look at that and say, this must be the holiest person in the world because they can heal people and cast out demons and and be a pastor and preach all these amazing words and all of that. Uh, but from Jesus's viewpoint is, do I know this guy? Yeah. Well, and for us, it's an interesting way. We love hearing it put that way because we work with guys in the neighborhood everything in the neighborhood in 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 an inner city neighborhood is about introduction and who you know 
Um, and it's that sense of, hey, I don't know you. You don't belong in this neighborhood. Well, you know, whatever. You know, that's that's an. Yeah, enemy. I don't know you is a bad sentence that's to hear a, in the neighborhood. Very, very bad. Uh, if it's, uh, yeah, I know this guy. He's a man of God. He's a good brother. Then you, you don't have anything at all to worry about in those kind of neighborhoods. So, for us, that sense of being known and how you're known is everything. You know, and I love this verse because the thing is, there. I I don't. Um, cast out demons in, in my daily life. I don't uh, heal people as part of my everyday weekly routine. Uh, I am, uh, I, I, I might even not be uh, the, 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 the most Christian looking person you've ever seen. And they don't sound super Christian. I'm not a, 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 an advanced scholar of Christianly things and all that. But the thing is, if you ask Jesus, if he knows me, Jesus would say, yes, I know that guy. Um, he might say he's been kind of a pain in the behind and it's been a long, <laughs> rough journey and he's talking to me a lot and he, you know, and it's been, you know, it's been messy and bumpy and crazy and it's, we've taken a long, hard road with a lot of that, but oh yeah, I know him. I've been dealing with that guy. You know, we're, we've been interfacing and interacting a lot here um uh, so the the idea that that from jesus's point of view he's trying to say that person even with all the messy stuff uh, is uh theologically and 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 uh, uh spiritually more advanced in their relationship with god than someone who does all the cultural Christian stuff, goes through all the motions, does all the ceremonies, does all these amazing miracles and whatever else, if that person doesn't have that personal, intimate relationship with God, they haven't started that journey yet at all. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One of the things that's clearly going on in this um, passage is a warning, and that's probably why it kind of winds people up so much, right, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I would say on this is, if you actually care about the fact that you are somebody that Jesus knows, you're probably okay on this warning. Um, one of the things that you find a lot, and I love that Glenn is calling it, you know, this cultural Christian. One of the things you find a lot in Christian culture is that there are people who that there are people who want to make sure not they want to make sure in their own heart that they really know Jesus. They want to make sure that you all know who they are. That's right. the thing that they're really concerned about is how many people know my name and how many people know that I'm awesome at this thing. I think this is the kind of thing that Jesus is aiming at when he talks. I mean, this is the, the stuff that he's talking about is really sensational stuff. When you, you know, if you hang around enough different kinds of Christians long enough, you're going to meet people who are really quick to tell you all the sensational stuff that they do for the kingdom of God. But the question is, um, do they, in their own heart, in their own kind of private moments, are they, are they motivated by a desire to know Jesus more, by a desire to, to, to serve him and love him and know him in that way? Or is this really about all of us knowing how awesome they are? If your heartbeat on this thing is, wow, I've never seen this verse before, but like, I really love Jesus, and I want to serve him, and, and so how do I know if I'm in there? Guess what? Your heart's in the right place. Um, you, can, you can feel 
pretty confident that 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 you have sidestepped the warning that we're talking about here. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to grow in him, if you want to serve him, you know, it, it might even be that you wind up doing some pretty awesome stuff in the kingdom, but your motivation is I love him. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. I just want to serve him and I want to see other people. I want to help other people, you know, and, you know, and out of the love that he has for me and that I have for him. Whatever, whatever actions come out of that, that's coming out of the right motivation, which is I want to know him, not I want everybody to know me. That's absolutely right. One of the things that's going on in this passage is it's people kind of, um, Doing impressive things, just saying they're doing it for Jesus. You probably weren't doing it for him if you didn't know him. So, Jed, can you talk about that aspect of you have to ask God before you can know you're doing something for God? Mm, Man, that's a good insight. When you do something, let's look at a different relationship for a second. Let's say that you're you're married and— um, you know, actually Valentine's Day is coming up. I guess this is going to come out maybe a week before Valentine's Day. You're married. You got a girlfriend. Um, there's two options. Hopefully only one of those. Hope <laughs> you actually you'll really only want to have one at a time. That's, that's key. But you've got one of those, not both, only one. But you say you got two options. Now you can, you can get the kind of gift for your girlfriend or, or wife that you think is super, super great. Or you can talk to your girlfriend and say, what kind of gift would you enjoy receiving? These are two very, very, very different things. Um, you, it, it turns out it's possible to be incredibly insulting when you give someone a gift because you give something that has n- nothing to do with them as a person. Um, it, it's, it's a clear statement of, I do not know you at all. I think we've most of us have had the experience of the distant aunt or uncle or whatever that that sent some kind of gift, you know, and it's it's the fuzzy pink pajamas or whatever that just we would never wear in a million years. And there's a clear statement in that moment of this person does not know who I am. Um, you know, I mean, on some level, I'm appreciative for the gesture, I, I guess, but they they don't know me. That's completely different from. Someone who knows you, they know who you are, they have a relationship, and out of that, they're expressing that love in the form of a gift. Here's how this relates to this God stuff, and it's, it's what Matt was describing. Um, doing things for God and doing things God has asked you to do are two completely, completely different things. Um, they, they are not the same, and they are actually, uh, they don't overlap really at, at all. You can go and do your best guess as to what you think a godly kind of thing to do would be and miss by a million miles what God is actually looking for you to do. The good news is, you can talk to God and get to know him and ask, what, what do you want me to do? You know, what, what, and not just in a big lifelong way, but what are you looking for me to do this year? What are you looking for me to do this month? When you look around at a lot of, as Glenn is describing, cultural Christianity, you see stuff that has all the hallmarks of people doing things in God's name without ever asking him what he thinks about any of it. Yes. Um, of, Hello. I hate this group of people who didn't do anything to me because I think Jesus wants me to hate them. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. They they never actually consulted with God. I think when you when you get in the habit of you know learning to listen to the Lord, and again that's through prayer, that's through the scriptures, that's through wise counsel from other believers. I think you regularly find that what God's looking for may have 
be very different from what your best guess would have been. And that's actually a, a, a good sign. But I think when we go purely on just, here's what I think it should be. I figure, you know, I figure my wife will love this. I'm just going to go with that. At, at a certain point, if we're not getting to know the person involved, we can't possibly hope to do things that would please them. That's a great point. And there's, a, there's an order of operations to those things there where, to back to Lee's point, you know, let's just say big hypothetical example. Somebody decided, I'm going to start a church for Jesus. Yeah. I bet Jesus likes big stuff. I'm going to start me a big church. And I'm going to get real famous and write some books and make a blue ton of money on personal speaking appearances, you know, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Ironically, Jesus' name isn't actually on that giant billboard. That would be me. Mm-hmm. And I'm keeping a lot more of this money than I'm giving to Jesus-y things. But, you know, it's all it's all in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want people to misunderstand. Cultural Christianity is can be one of those buzzwords for kind of a... Um, a urinating contest mm-hmm. over holiness. Oh, well, you did you know, people only show up to church at Easter and Christmas. Culture, that's not what we mean by cultural Christianity. By cultural Christianity, we mean embracing the Christian bookstore version of things, yeah. mm-hmm. which has no doesn't really have anything to do with the actual gospel. It's all kind of secondhand flavor of the month stuff. And that's not what's going on. And Glenn, I'd love you to get to close out with talking about this. There's a very similar verse uh, conversation that happens in Matthew 25. And mm-hmm. there we might find some hints. We, As we've talked about so far, what it isn't, I think we can get some clear hints of what it is. What happens in Matthew 25 is Jesus is given a very similar. He says, this is a conversation that happened at the end of the world. Is there going to be some people come to me and I'm going to embrace them and call them brother and welcome them to the kingdom. And they're going to think about that and say, what did we do to get that? Because I don't feel like I did everything right. And he's going to say, there are poor people and prisoners and lonely people and hungry people, and you fed them and clothed them and mm-hmm. visited them in my name. That's what you did to me, so now we're good. Then there's going to be this other group of people, and right. Jesus is going to say, a very similar, away from me, for I never knew you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, but what what went wrong? When did we not do these things for you? And say, there are poor people everywhere. You didn't do anything for them. Right. Probably because that doesn't seem very impressive, people who run mega churches who don't do things for poor people. But, Glenn, can you talk about that idea of there are, as Jed pointed out, it, individually there's a will for God's life, but there are some guidelines in the Bible we can be sure on. Absolutely right. I, I, don't, I, I don't think there's... Uh any, I don't think we need to have any kind of paranoia, uh, so to speak, of am I being Christian enough? Yeah, this isn't a puzzle. Not at all. And um, in fact, I think it's just the opposite in the sense that the Lord is saying, um, uh, uh, if you are seeking an authentic relationship with me, I will know you. Right. Yeah. And you will know me, yeah. and that'll be fine. I, I I want it on my end. If you If you... If any small part of your brain says, "I want a real, authentic relationship with the, with God right now," you there, it's done. You are you have arrived there. All you've leapfrogged everything he's talking about here. But there's a couple of things too, a couple of problems with this. One small problem is if 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 you go to certain churches, let's say, and you listen to the way the praise and worship is done. Um, I've gone to churches where the praise and worship leader appears to be pleading with God for God to hear their prayers. Yeah. 
please, Lord, oh, and we just we want to call out to you. We're we're begging that you to hear our voice. We we're yearning and longing that you will come to the service and be here and dwell. And wherever two or three are gathered in your name, Lord, we're just asking for your presence to be with us. With you. Now, if you've ever prayed this prayer, just you and God, and you're paying any kind of attention, eventually God will say, "Enough already. I'm here. What? What? Whatever." What else? Move on. I'm here. I've Enough opened the door. Him. Stop knocking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, this, I, you know, I was already here. We were only waiting for you. So let's do this, you know. And so now we're, you know, and believe me, you know him and he knows you at that moment. You just discovered something about God's character is, yes, yes, okay. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have to beg because I love you and I'm here. So that means when I hear that guy lead, leading praise and worship, I'm thinking... He's he sounds super Christian. In fact, he's turning it up because he thinks this is what's like super, 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 super Christian. But I, I think he's telling me a whole lot about what he doesn't yeah. know about a relationship with the Lord. I feel like as as Lee and some of these other brothers are talking about, I'm almost competing with that mentality to yeah. try and show I can be that kind of Christian when in fact they're showing me this uh, this guy doesn't quite get it. The other thing that's going on here, and I think this is really telling, really interesting, is that you can get into a place where you feel really kind of overwhelmed about the sin in your life, and you can even feel overwhelmed overwhelmed about how tempted you are towards sin. You haven't even done it yet, but you just desire it, and it just... It just freaks you out that you you want that wrong thing so badly. And the guilt of that and the shame of that just drives you nuts. And so you say, I'm going to read my Bible for 12 hours, and I'm going to listen to this praise and worship, and I'm going to go to church every single day, and, and I'm going to listen to the guy lead worship, and I'm going to go, oh, yes, Lord, come clear our prayers, whatever. And I'm going to really invest myself in this... Um, this uh, uh, the 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 surround the cultural surroundings the, the the music and the the preaching and whatever because I'm not worthy to just go and stand before God yeah so I'm doing this instead it's like I'm in God's uh, waiting room with this I, it's like I'm in, in uh, uh, I, I can't go into the 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 main uh, throne room. So I'm kind of in the on the back porch with all these other people, yeah. With all of this uh, rigmarole, and this is about as good as I can do. And if I do this a hundred percent, then I'm probably going to be on good terms. And a verse like this kind of blows that uh-huh. up and yeah. says, "No, go deal with God." If that's where you're at, here's the thing: is God is just infinitely merciful, right. infinitely understanding, infinitely forgiving. Go to him directly. Have that intimacy. Don't be bound by fear in that. Uh, don't settle for the trappings of, Christ, of, of what you think a, a Christian life might be, but go for the, the relationship itself. That's amazing stuff. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came in an anonymous letter from Alex. It says, this question is about suicide. That's a, that's a strong start. Okay. First, if heaven is the ideal, why wouldn't Christians commit suicide to get to heaven faster and rid themselves of the world? Second, what would you say to someone who is struggling with suicide, and how would you counsel them? Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, uh, thanks for writing your question in, and I, I don't know if uh, you know if you're writing this in because this is something that you are dealing with or thinking about yourself, or if you've got um, a close friend. I, my my gut feeling is that that you've got a close friend who is down or talking about this because you're wondering, you know, how how do I 
how do I talk to this person? If you are not a professional counselor, um, then a couple of things on this. Let's let's start with that half of your question first. How how would you go about talking to this this person? I can tell you that for <clears throat> for all of us guys on the on the show, this is the kind of thing that this is the kind of conversation that we have. This is the kind of thing that we deal with. This is the kind of thing that we um, have to do. And and uh, and and first off, if you do have a friend who's talking to you about this stuff, I just want to say to you that is a really it's a really heavy thing to carry. And, um, and you know, we love you. We're, we're sorry. You know, we want, we want to pray with you on this thing. We'd love to keep a kind of a dialogue open. And, uh, and, and I can just say, if you, you know, uh, you know, write in a question to, uh, to, to Glenn's blog. Um, and he has, uh, excellent, excellent advice and wisdom on how, you know, how you can talk to somebody through this kind of situation. The one thing is you do want to point this person toward a, a licensed counselor, therapist, that kind of stuff, so they can get the help that they need. Um, but as yeah. far as being a friend to someone who's having this kind of a hard of a t- this hard of a time, your main goal, what you want to do, ninety percent of the time that you spend with this person is to listen to them and encourage them. And uh, you want to listen to them without judging. You want to listen to them with a lot of understanding, with a lot of empathy. Ask the Lord to help you uh, know what to say. Think about times that you've been through the ringer yourself, where you've been really down. Think about the way that people treated you, and think about, I wish they had treated me this way, and and try that on. Uh, What we want to do is we want to try to figure out, how do I want to be treated in the middle of, if I'm having the hardest time that I've ever had? And then I want to, I, I want to be that way. I want to be that way. I, my goal is, if I'm in a conversation with a person who's struggling this much, my goal is to listen as much as possible without judgment, asking the Lord just to help me to see it from their side, um, looking for, looking for, you know, trying to collect as much information as I can to figure out what to say to this person. As far as the the first part of your question, this idea of, you know, if, if, uh, if, you know, Jesus rescued us from our sin. We're going to heaven when we die. So, you know, the the world sucks. So why doesn't everybody just kind of, um, why doesn't everybody just kind of eject and, uh, and, and get out of here as soon as possible? I can tell you, I understand that kind of thinking. I, I am looking forward to heaven a lot. Um, but what I can tell you is that I personally, as, as hard as things have gotten in this world, as hard as things get sometimes, I have found an incredible joy in, um, in in living a life that has a purpose in the middle of a sucky world, um, in such a way that like I, I want to live in such a way that I'm bringing people with me to heaven when I go there, and it's it's almost like a I don't know if this if this uh, statement makes sense. That they're like when you're living through the struggle, following Jesus and uh, serving Him and serving and loving other people. It's almost kind of like you're ridding yourself of the terrible stuff in the world now, even while you're in the world. It's almost like a big middle finger to the things in the world that want to hold you down, hold you back, and that kind of stuff. All that to say, um, I, I understand this desire to just want to get away from it, and yet having this, having a sense of the mission of your life will give you a sense of fulfillment and get rid of almost to where like a lot of the messed up stuff in the world becomes uh, less of a factor as you're bringing people into the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Jed, what do you have for us on this? 
there's a, a bridge, I think it's the Golden Gate Bridge, um, but it's kind of famous for suicide attempts, obviously. But a few years back, they actually installed a netting system um, kind of around it where it, it's actually pretty hard to, to successfully commit suicide. I don't know that it's terribly visible, um, so it's, it's a little no, bit... I think that's part of the idea is you don't see it until after you jump. So, uh, but they've, they've had a series of people, you know, where they've attempted to, to end their lives and, and then they, they, that didn't happen. And kind of, they asked them afterwards, one of the, the key things they've asked people is, what did you think as you were, you know, falling? The almost universal response is, man, I wish I didn't do that. Mm. And that tells us something. It tells us something really important. Let's forget morality for a second. Let's forget, is this a sin for a second? Let's forget big theological questions for a second. Let's just ask, will it work? Mm-hmm. Does th- Will this actually move the needle? And the answer from the people who have tried it and lived to tell the tale is no. Um, there, There's a release that you're seeking, and uh, the people have gone before you say, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't do the trick. Um, it's obvious it's a much, much smaller issue, but that's the real thing about pornography, for example. It doesn't work. Right. It, it, right. it, it's not going to give you what you want. So there's, there's no point. There's a lot of stuff in life where we feel like this would, this would solve it. This would, this would get me to where I need to be. Is it, is it the right thing? No, but it, it, it would solve the problem, but it wouldn't. And this is, this is one of those big things. It, it just it won't work. So let's talk for a second about what would work. And I want to piggyback on what Lee was saying. If you're struggling with suicidal ideation, if that's um, a, you're not alone. Um, we feel you. We understand. There's people on this podcast that have dealt with that. Uh, we love you. One of the key things that will work is you need people to talk to. Yeah. Um, you need people to to be able uh, just to share how you're feeling. And I want to strongly encourage you, in the strongest possible words, those need to be people in your real life. Um, uh, it's okay to start with that being people online. But that needs to graduate to people in your real, actual life. You need people to, to talk to. That'll help. That'll, that'll make a difference. Um, you need some things that you enjoy. They don't have to be b- things of big meaning. They don't have to be things of big significance. If that's Madden 2015 on your Xbox, there's nothing wrong with right. that. But you, you need things that you enjoy. We want to move towards meaning, but that doesn't, that doesn't need to be step one. Um, but we need some people to talk to. We need some things that, that we enjoy. And, and here's, here's one thing I, I want to put out is we need to very slowly learn how to be kind to ourselves that never ever gets talked about in church so let me break down what i mean for a second you know that god loves you you know that's the bible answer but that means you need to love you too um there i'm not saying it's true in every case but a lot of time when people are thinking about self-harm or suicidal ideation there's a whole lot of self-loathing going on there and we need to learn how to love ourselves and when you love somebody you're kind to them we very rarely think about being kind to ourselves, but God wants you to be kind to yourself. And part of kindness to yourself, it doesn't mean that you think everything you do is great. It doesn't mean that you think you don't ever make any mistakes, but you have understanding towards yourself in the midst of those mistakes. You have understanding towards yourself in the midst of not getting everything exactly right. And that's a process. You can't wake up tomorrow and say, now I'm going to be kind to yourself. But you can wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to start learning. Uh, when, I, when I feel that, impulse to judge on myself when i feel that impulse to say god you're such a loser why do you have to act that way i'm gonna start asking if i was going to be kind to somebody in that moment what would that look like how would i and i'm gonna let that be a journey 
But but if I if somebody else occurred appeared before me and was talking that way about themselves, what would I say to them? How yeah. would I show kindness to them? And then how do I begin to show that to myself? That's worth doing. You deserve that kindness. Find some people to talk to. Find some people to talk to in your real life. Find some things that you enjoy and start learning how to show kindness to yourself because those things, unlike suicide, will work. That's a great point. One of the things just talk about there is being kind to yourself, which is very important. There's a misunderstanding of a good Christian theology, which is about dying to oneself, kind of take a cross, the other thing. That's an important concept in Christianity. That doesn't mean acting unkind to yourself. So, Glenn, can you talk about that in this context? Absolutely. Um, that That's what's sort of odd about about your question in many ways, is that um, that we are meant to die to self, not, not that we kill ourselves at all. Uh, but as the Bible says, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, and this idea that our... Uh, our eternal life, uh, the one that will lead when we go beyond the physical, uh, is paradise. It is uh, going to be a whole lot better than this world. Um, there are people who just love this world. Uh, I am not one of those people <laughs> at all. Right. Um, uh, I am. See, li- for example, the first 15 minutes of every one of these podcasts. Ex- <laughs> exactly right. Uh, some people just, I just love nature. I just like, you know, nature's tried to kill me several times. Uh, if you live in Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. Thunder snow. Uh, I've lived through hurricanes and all kinds of, uh, nature isn't on my side. Um, you know, I there there are people who just, you know, love life and love human interaction and think the world's a wonderful place. Uh, but, you know, I've, I, uh, I, I don't share any of that. Um <laughs> And and I'm, I apologize too for being the person coughing on all in the background of all these questions. But I'm gonna edit in some extra coughs later. Cool. Uh, here's the thing: is uh, <laughs> you know certainly I've seen uh, the rough side of life and see uh, a lot of uh, suffering and and uh, a lot of <coughs> excuse me a lot of tragedy, and it gives you a sense of uh, you, that you need a purpose. That when you're when you're dealing with the kind of grief and sorrow that you are and you can't seem to find a solution uh and you're thinking of suicide you know well suicide is a is a long-term solution to a short-term problem so you know it doesn't really work but ironically the theology is very close to that the idea of dying to yourself of losing your sense of self uh being hidden with christ and god this idea of uh, being so close and so intimate with god that you don't know where you end and he begins and to be united uh, with something larger than yourself, uh, all of that has to do with, um, l- you know, um, undoing the self-focus. And, uh, and of course, in order to get to that place, we had to deal with the overwhelming grief that we're dealing with. And in your case, I imagine there's going to be quite a little bit of that. Uh, but ironically, that is the, the goal, to lose our sense of self, to lose our, our sense of uh, of. of uh, it's all about me. Uh, you're not looking for that as as a goal in this life. Uh, but in order to get there, you're going to to need to not shortcut the theology as as you're kind of trying to do here. And you're not. And it's 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 best uh, to not avoid good psychology uh, along the way. That is to say, you need to be wise about your emotions uh, and about uh, God caring about your emotions and. 
as Jeb was saying, learning to be good to yourself uh, because you want to maintain yourself. You want to be a, a living sacrifice and have a meaningful life uh, at some point down the line. And uh, I think that's what gives us that sense of getting up every day is all about. That's a really good point. A couple of things I want to close out as we talk about here. One is just the idea of this question in general. Let's say you are just, especially the first half of it, about theology of it, let's say that's just a curiosity because you're a new believer. That's fine. There's not, you shouldn't be w- worried about asking that question. From the sense that you wrote it into us and the way you worded it, it's clear that you don't think that's the actual answer. You don't think God wants you to commit suicide. Right. But it's fine to say, okay, I've got, you know, apparently suicide is bad, but heaven is good, so what are we, what are we doing mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things like that that just sound heavier than they might be and it's fine to ask those any sure. pastor mentor or whatever isn't going to freak out about it. that's actually a basic bible question now sure. whatever you sit down with someone and say so i've been thinking about suicide lately even in a theoretical context they're gonna be a little concerned about that that's right. fine right. Uh, one other thing i would say we've all pointed out it's important to get good counseling and that's like that's really a non a very much normally non-negotiable if you kind of deal with some heavy suicidal ideation or if you're counseling someone who's, like I said, the first thing where all sessions any of us did counseling someone who says, I'm thinking about suicide, would be start with I understand and here's some ideas. And then it would end with now let's start Googling right now and find you a licensed therapist. Talk about this with yeah. um, therapy is still has some stigma around it and it can be expensive. Here's what you need to do. You need to Google low fee or sliding scale therapy and then the name of your town. And if you live in near any kind of decent sized town in America, um, a lot most places will offer something called sliding scale therapy, which means you pay based on what you earn on a sliding scale, and that can go down to ten, fifteen, twenty dollars an hour. And some of that will be like with uh, students who have their basically have everything on their PhD, but they have to do X number of counseling hours, but they'll do that supervised. There might be, uh, so you can do that. You can also um, Google the National Suicide Prevention Helpline. That's in America. They're international ones. So we say this about a lot of things, and suicide is really, really one of them. It's, there are a lot of things that say, look, this probably isn't that big a deal, but don't play with it because as all these guys have pointed out, it only takes one real, real low moment to do something that, is really not a good idea. So yeah. there's plenty of help out there. There's accessible help out there. Go find it. Those are some areas. If, if As always, if you have any questions on that, you can email us in, and we'll help you out with some more specifics. All right, we're going to go to our last question here. It says, I feel like I have to tiptoe around topics for fear of offending someone. It is honestly exhausting, and I am wondering why we as a people have gotten so sensitive over these past years. <laughs> We, you can't talk about Jesus, gun control, homosexuality, uh, marijuana. Yeah, huh. It just kind of goes on like that for a while. Without someone jumping up and crying foul, why are people so sensitive these days? And what can we do about it? <laughs> well, friend who's going to get an answer very different than what you thought you were going to get, here's Jed. <laughs> people are sensitive because they don't think you love them. That's that's hey. why people are sensitive. And they don't think that you love them because you're not communicating love. Right. Um, that's it. That's that's the answer to your question. We um, you have a long list of stuff that you said that you you perceive you can't talk about. Um, actually, in our work, we talk about 
pretty much everything on that list, yeah. um, you know, with, with folks. And we never have any problems. And the reason for it is because the people we're talking to um, know that we love them. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the items on, on your list was abortion. Um, so uh, working in the inner city here in Chicago, a very, very large number of the women that we deal with have had abortions. Um, a very large number of the men that we deal with have had partners who have had abortions. Um, because we love these people, uh, we would never, ever in a million years say, you know, abortion's murder, right? It doesn't matter if that's a true statement. Um, it's, we love these people. Whatever we have to say, we're not going to say it in that way because that would be an unbelievably unloving thing to do. Right. Um, and again, and they're not confused about the guilt of it either. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we we love these people. If you're asking this question from a Christian perspective, love is the beginning and the end of right. it. Right. Um, um, Paul says, uh, if I have not love, I have nothing. Um, if you're trying to engage people, again, in a Christian context without love, you need to stop. Period. Um, uh, if, if you're, and we need to, to figure out why there's no love in your heart. If you're trying to engage people and you feel like it's not working, but you feel like you've got the love, then it's figuring how do I communicate that love in an effective way where they're, where they're hearing it, and then we can take it from there. Um, if you're asking just in society, why can't I run my mouth and just say whatever I want with no consequences, it's because the world doesn't work that right. way. Right. Uh, it's a similar question to saying, why can't I just walk into a store and take whatever I want without paying for it? Because that's not how society functions. Right. But I'm going to give you the credit to say that your heart's in the right place. You're trying to figure out how do I talk about issues of substance you know, in a meaningful way. It begins and ends with love. If people don't know that you love them, they're not open to talking about those things with you. Um, if you're having trouble communicating love, we need to start there and become expert at communicating love before we worry about talking about these other hot button issues. That's absolutely right, Glenn. Well, yeah, everyone's sensitive about their own stuff. You are too. Um, uh, uh, I can't go to you and talk about the things in your life in an insensitive way. Or even the things you hold dear. Just taking a yeah. guess from the list said, hey, you know who was a clown? Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I'm betting you would get sensitive about that. Well, if I, if, you know, uh, you know, if, if I said something that was insulting to your mother, you would say, well, that's just. Altogether unacceptable. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. And and you, and that's the right way to take it. And to that point, just to jump in real quick, the Pope recently said, "Look, if you talk smack about my mom, I will punch you." So this is the thing: is is everyone sensitive about their? You got own Pope thing. punched. You know that's you know, uh, you 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 can't um, uh, you can't simply say the stuff that's important to me. Uh, uh, is one thing, but the stuff that's important to you shouldn't matter to you so much. Yeah. I should have the freedom yeah. to say something really awful and have no consequences to it. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand the mentality about that. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, and I just can't, which uh, stand-up comedian uh, it was asking the question about this very subject of you know, uh, political correctness and how um, people always complaining about political correctness and Excuse me. He he asked the question: How bad do you really want to say the n word? Yeah. You know, what? Yeah. What mechanism inside you is driving a burning desire to say the n word? Yeah. That you're so disappointed you can't say it. Yeah. Kind of a thing. <laughs> um. So I'm not sure I understand that. I I also am not sure I understand. 
from the standpoint of uh, we work in environments, as, as Joe was saying, where um, being sensitive is super important. And it's super important from the standpoint of our particular mission field. If you say the wrong thing, you'll you get, get stabbed. It, you will get stabbed. And that's not in sort of a metaphorical. <laughs> no, you will you, literally get stabbed. You There'll will, be a knife pushed between your ribs. Uh, there, there was a, a, a guy that we knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there was a, a guy that we knew who um, um, uh, he was sort of, he was an associate pastor at, at, a, at, at a church and the head pastor was not familiar with inner city culture very much, but he had a, a, a bit of an inner city church there and he preached a sermon once uh, one Sunday and he used the word whore. He said, you know, that that, um, you know, that 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 uh, we should not be whores and that. Um, that, uh, you know, when we accept money and do things that are uh, uh, not godly, then we're just being whores, and it's terrible to be a whore, and, sh- and, and being a whore is something we should not be. And important for you seminary students, he was using the biblically and def- dictionary technically correct def- definition of that word. Absolutely right. Glenn, did the audience care that he was technically correct? No. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two or three ladies there were working prostitutes, who advised him they really didn't like his tone. Let's not do that again. And um, here's the thing that's important for you to understand, my brother who writes in this topic, because you must be a dude. Um, here's what <laughs> you need knowledge. To, here's, here's what you need to know, is it didn't matter whether he was theologically correct, mm-hmm. yep. because you can't take the Westminster Confession and pin it to your chest and have it protect you from the stabbing motion of the working prostitute who is jabbing you with something sharp and pointy. You understand what I'm saying? This is not how life works. You can't just say anything you want and get away with it. And that's not a goal that we're shooting for. What we're shooting for is getting through to people. How can we best communicate right. to people who have strong feelings about the things that they're dealing with in their life? How, it's important for us to know how to... Be sensitive and speak to these things. That, that's, that, that's exactly what you, you're looking for, the exact opposite thing of what you should be looking for. Uh, we should be saying, how can we be as, as um, careful and precise as possible? We want to speak the same truths and, and not pull any punches on the truth, but how do we do that without bruising them unnecessarily on the way and end up taking ourselves out and being a bad witness? That's absolutely right. And Lee, one of the things that helps in that is the role you have in someone's life, right? Absolutely. One of the things that I, I loved how Jed started out by saying, the, the the things that you're talking about, we talk about these issues with our people all the time. And that's that's absolutely yep. the truth. I've had I, I was looking down your list and I figure and I realized, you know, I've had conversations about every single one of the things on your list with tons of people. But here's here's one of the big fantastic keys on that thing is you've never been invited to that conversation because it was a one-on-one conversation yep. and most most of this super important you know as you call it sensitive stuff goes down in kind of small settings in a one-on-one conversation or one, you know talking to a couple of people at a time who really have a concern and and one of the things that you need to know about us is our roles in you know in uh, whether it's a counseling setting or a pastoral role in someone's life is that we do not give unsolicited advice. Yep. We know a lot of people who are involved in a lot of things that are you know that that are not good ideas that sometimes are harmful to them that kind of stuff. 
And what we don't go around doing is we don't go around pointing a big index finger and telling people, you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing that. What we do is we love people well, we build relationships and sincerity, we care about them, we take care of them, and then we earn the right in their life to talk to them. And what happens is these kinds of conversations come up when they are indicated and when we are invited into those conversations, which are neither one of those things are things that you brought up. My guess is, is that you is, <laughs> is that you probably think like most people do that an internet connection equals a mandate. Yeah. Uh, that a Facebook, you know, a Facebook account uh, means that you have a point. And uh, none of those things are true. Uh, we, when we discuss these kinds of things, it is because we have been invited. We, uh, someone has sought our counsel, sought our advice, sought our opinion, and they want to know, you have loved me well. What do you think about this? And I think the real question yeah. is, the real question is, is something that, that both of these guys are saying is, the real question is, if nobody wants to listen to you right now, are you willing to do something about that? Are you willing to do what it takes to actually have a voice in somebody's life? Because that's, that's where this whole thing goes down, is that the, the problem with our, with our world today is that people think, I got a Facebook account, that means I have a point. But it doesn't mean you have a point. The, real, the, the moment you have a point is when a living, breathing human being comes to you and says, can I ask you a question? And then they ask you a question about, you know, whatever, the, the abortion that they've been through or the, maybe they have some same-sex attraction that they want to talk to you about and I'm trying to walk with Jesus and I'm confused about this and where does this all come down? That's when you have a voice in someone's life, when you've loved someone well. It's not because, and, and look, we don't, we don't get to have these conversations with people because we're the most brilliant people on these topics. It's because we've loved people well and that's the beginning yeah. and the end of the whole thing. To build on on what Lee said, to build on on what Glenn said, I, let's do a, a thought experiment for a second. I can't say this is true specifically for you, but for a lot of people that tend to feel the way you're describing, here's what they have in mind is, what I want is to be able to go to people and just speak some truths. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, wow. I want to be able to tell them some facts, because here's mm. what's going on. We live in a country where nobody's willing to just say this plain truth and the facts and if we could just say the plain truth and the facts, well, things would finally start moving forward, but nobody wants to hear the facts. Now, right. Jed, the facts are that states that vote Republican unanimously take in more tax dollars than they pay out. Are these the kind of facts we're talking about? I don't hear you. I don't hear you. The facts are that la, the la, la, vast la. majority of welfare dollars go to rural Caucasian people. Are these the facts we're talking la, about? La, 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 Stop talking. Um, All right. But let's do the thought experiment. One of the items on your list is depression. All right. So let's say we're going to give you we have a computer simulation where you can go to a depressed person. You can tell them the facts. All right. Here's what I suspect you'd say. Here's your facts. I'm just going to guess. And if I'm wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. You know, you know what you need. I'll tell you what I'd do if I were you. You just need to just pull yourself up. Just get over yourself. Just, you know what, just feel better. Just get just go for a run. And then feel better because right now it's like you're feeling bad. But you know what? Your life's good. You know, there's there's kids in Africa that starve today and you didn't starve. So your life's good. You should just that's just a fact. So you should just right. just get up and just feel good and just be happy because because Jesus loves you. And that that makes that's good. And that makes you happy. And that's the facts. And he's the reason for the season. OK, 
So I have a suspicion in our computer program that's what you would do. You, now you might do it with less of a drawl, but I, I actually doubt that. I think I think that's what you'd say. That would be your inner accent anyway. Here and then here you would be shocked to learn to discover what would happen next. None of it would fix anything. Right. Yep. right. It it actually wouldn't work at all. Right. It wouldn't make any difference. Here's what that depressed person would say back to you. I know there are good things in my life. Right. I know Jesus loves me. I'm still depressed. Right. Turns st- out none of that affects my serotonin levels, jackass. Right. And, th- th- and you're not being sensitive to what I'm going through. So, you, you know. You're not being sensitive, but but perhaps even more importantly, you clearly don't know how to fix this you problem. You don't have any facts. That's right. You don't have any solutions for the thing I'm going through. And I kind of suspected that when you rolled up on me with a really funky, unloving attitude. And now that I've heard your facts, I realize I was right. You didn't know anything productive to say to my situation at all. Here's why I say all that. You have an idea in your head. If people would just listen to me on the following 12 issues, I could give them some facts, lay some truth bombs that would fix things, and you're wrong. Right. You're just plain straight ahead wrong. I know a little bit about dealing with just about every issue on your list. I'm telling you right now, the solutions are not obvious or simple for any of Amen. it. If the solutions were obvious and simple, people would have already solved those issues. They're struggling because they're not simple and they're not obvious. And what they first, before anything else, need is love to be able to keep on going and try to find a solution. And here's the thing, and I, I'm, I'm going to pass it to Glenn. You're not qualified to offer the advice that you want to give. Bless your heart. You are colossally, galactically not qualified to do that. But you are qualified to show love. Right. Right. You are qualified to show encouragement. Say, hey, I don't know the answers, but I love you and I believe in you. Can we go get a cheeseburger and I can and, and we just hang out together? You're qualified to do that, and that will help. If you'll let go of the idea of, I could fix things if they just let me, which is a lie. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And embrace the fact that the thing you're qualified to do is to serve people in love and just encourage them, nothing else. You can actually start being a part of the solution right now yeah real quick thought as we as we come to a close here um you know uh, matt's kind of chimed in a couple of times on sort of the politics element of this and i i went through the list of things we supposedly can't talk about without people freaking out and i underlined a few of these specifically jesus gun control homosexuality marijuana lbg uh, LGBTQ, uh, corporal punishment, abortion, and race issues. Here's the thing is all those things are also political yep. uh, things yep. or, or things that have a political thing. If you're, if you're going on Facebook and you're Facebooking a political viewpoint based on these things, here's what you need to understand being a, 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 a grown person in a grown world. Um, any, any, any political statement you make, you're going to get disagreement from roughly half the people you know. Right. Doesn't matter what political statement you make. If you look at America, you can split it down the middle on a whole bunch of issues. Abortion is a perfect one. If there was a consensus on abortion in this country, we would have a change in the status of what's going on there. We don't. It's split. Okay. That means you deciding to take one side in a political argument. And having someone else disagree with you vehemently on that 
and, and you taking that as to, well, people are just sensitive and they can't handle the truth. That is, bless your heart. That's just being naive. Yeah. <laughs> when you take a side in a political argument, you expect the other side to disagree with you. That's life. Well, what you don't realize is you've been sold a fantasy. Right. That, that's the thing you don't understand. You've watched whatever your political persuasion is. We have a guess, but we're not going to yeah. say it out loud. Right. But you've watched Fox new- News. Fox News. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe good, good subtlety. Where did that there, come Matt? from? You've been you've been sold a fantasy. You've been right. sold that you could talk this way, and people. And here's here's the proof of it. I know you've watched pornography before, so mm-hmm. let's not pretend. If you go deal with a real live human woman, right. uh, the way that you see in in a pornographic film, if you talk to a woman that way, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Back it, to the stabbing. Uh, do uh, <laughs> be prepared to get right. slapped, right. guaranteed. Because this is the thing. It's a fantasy. Right, you were sold right. a fantasy, and your your news channel is a fantasy too. You just didn't realize it was a fantasy. Well, and not just that, and just building on what you're saying, it, it if you say I have a political viewpoint, and you express a view, political viewpoint, you expect people with differing political viewpoints to vehemently disagree with you. That's life. That's how unless. it goes. Unless you think your political viewpoint is truth yep sacrosanct now when you believe that what you've entered into is a religion right you know how an ideology you have a theology if this is truth yeah and these people are just standing up for truth bro. and these guys are rejecting the truth that you're saying they're not in my theology they're not in my uh they're whatever uh and all too many people we've seen left and right in, in 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 here in the states blend their uh their christian beliefs and their political beliefs in a way that's really super crazy oh unhealthy yeah so um i think we need to be understanding about the fact that uh if you take sides in a political uh uh, uh, uh you know argument and say political things um you can't expect to have people uh, uh, uh agree with you uh unless they're on on that same political viewpoint Absolutely right. One of the other things on that that's um, a thread running through your question, and you may have noticed you really pissed us off, and it's not all at you. A lot of it's at you, but we all know a lot of these people, so don't get us wrong. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, we, we know and love a lot of people who struggle with this kind sure, of Sure, and you had the insight to ask a question, maybe not the exact way we would have worded it, but you looked for input, you're, you're out there seeking, and that, you get a lot of credit for that. No doubt. But part of what's implicit in your question of why I'm guessing a lot of the stuff you say rubs people the wrong way, as Glenn was exactly talking about taking your opinions as truth, there's an inherent, which is, this is the um, the smarmiest thing you can communicate to another one, which is, well, if you just understood, yeah. right. you would come around to my... And there are some things in life you can say that. You say, I think if you had a full understanding of the gospel and your own sin and what Jesus is offering you, you would come to know Jesus. By the way, not 100% true. There are plenty of people who fully understand the idea, still reject it. But if you have the that— The devil understands it. He's rejected it. If you have that same attitude about, well, if you just listen to my truth bombs, you'd come around to a 15% flat tax. Because <laughs> right, that's just right, truth, right. man. Right. You've lost all sense of proportion. Here's another thing. Here's where we're going to close on. And this is going to sound harsh because it is harsh, but we love you. And here's the thing. You can be better than this. Yes, you can. Because if you're the person on Facebook having the political argument, again, either side, 
everyone hates you. Right. Yeah, that's correct. You don't everyone that has guy. unfollowed you on Facebook. Yeah. It's only the seven people who want to argue with you or who agree with you on everything. And as soon as you say something they don't agree with, they're off as well. Right. Uh, proof. Anytime I see someone on my friends list talking politics on Facebook, I immediately unfollow them. Yeah, I've, I have a one strike policy yeah. now. I don't. There, there are a few things conservative post if you reblog it if you hit a share from that and just we're just done yeah but that's and you're you're only going to create an ecosystem where you only want people who want to argue about everything and how's that fun for you yeah amen but here's the thing and here here's the question to ask yourself when you're what you're basically talking about is why can't i share my opinion ad nauseum here's the thing who the hell are you yeah right yeah you say why can't i share my opinion about lgbtq issues who the hell are you yeah right have you lived with that have you been bullied for your sexuality do you know someone and especially the way this works with jumping on news stories if you see a story about someone who was physically beaten for their sexuality and you go on there and start sharing your ideas about homosexuality as an issue in the theoretical you're not talking about a theoretical you're talking about someone who was physically had violence acted upon them and who the hell are you? Yeah. Another great one on this is race relations. <laughs> yeah. No. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> now, we have all, and Glenn, Jed, and I specifically have had to give some sermons on that kind of stuff and talk to dudes about that. And the only qualification we have is we have sat and listened to hours of people who are victims of systematic racial oppression in America talk about that experience. And the only thing we're going to do if you ask us is relate to you that perspective and maybe here's something I have gleaned from that. Everybody has an opinion on everything. That doesn't mean it needs to be shared. Yeah. I have plenty of opinions about things that I know I don't know anything about. You form a snap opinion, but just the filter between your brain and your mouth, pump it up. Work that out. <laughs> Exercise that muscle. Not because you're bad and whatever, but you do have some opinions that are worth sharing, as Jed pointed out. But when you share every opinion, that gets lost. I'm, I may super value your opinion about this one thing. You may be a great plumber, and I want to come to you and say, I got a problem, and this, John's my dude. He knows this stuff inside and out. If you're cool, I will come to you. I will help you. I will sit at your feet and let you just be the smartest plumbing guy. Mm. If every time I talk to you, I get a screed about whatever the issue of the day is, I'm not even going to come to you for the thing you know about. Yeah. You know, the more sensitive you are, the more smart people perceive you to be. That's simple. absolutely right. And just to close out on Glenn's point about part of the, the inherent thing that's a little annoying about this is that idea everybody else is so sensitive. One right. of the things that's happened, you point out, for the last few years, the Internet has brought us the ability for people who don't have a mainstream voice to share their experience. That is, people have a non-mainstream sexuality, people who aren't white, women have a lot more voice because they don't have, there's less gatekeepers. So when you, as, and I'm going to join in on Glenn's word of prophecy here, you almost have to be a white male, bless your heart. When you crash in on that conversation, that's an act of aggression in a weird way that it may not read to you. Yeah, You just see, I'm commenting on this thing, but if you weren't invited, don't share. Yeah. Spend your energy on things you do know, and life will be happier, believe me. 
All right. We appreciate you all listening. If you have questions for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Sign for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. We're going to take you out with a song as we always do. This is one of Lee's fantastic songs. It's called You Delighted in Me. It's a worship song you wrote. Ooh. It's a great recording of this idea. Friends, we've gone a little hard on you this episode. Here's the thing. We are all knuckleheads. Amen. We used to be even bigger knuckleheads. Amen. And Jesus still loved us and through that point. So that's what this song is about. It's a great tune from Lee. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. Always know which chipmunk you are in life. <laughs> you reached down for me. You took hold of me. Lord, you rescued me from my enemy. You reached down for me. You took hold of me, Lord, you rescued me from my enemy. From under deep waters, when I was too weak, in the day of disaster, you came for me. I lifted my voice, and you heard my cry, you parted the heavens. Back the sky. You delighted in me. You loved me when I was your enemy. And you delighted in me. You loved me when I was your enemy. You reached down for me. your end.